Welcome, everybody, in podcast land. This is After Further Review. Mark Ferrer, John Pelkey, Jeff Taylor. Episode, oh, boy, the boy, oh, boy, 24, 25. I don't even know at this point in time. And that's because I'm in a, uh, I'm in a vortex of the unemployment thing, and I'm in, in a, circular, um, a, a circular path to hell, essentially, is what it is. Wow. And it's pretty bad. But you know what I'm not, John? I'm not dead. My business hasn't been burned to the ground. Mm-hmm. I uh, am not part of a uh, a a, um, a group of people of citizens of this country that have been, you know, systemically put down. Frankly, so uh, my life is actually a, a lot better than I think it is at the moment. I, I was going to question. I was just going to say I was going to question your optimism, and now I see it when you said you're heading towards hell. Uh, I assumed from everything you told me that you were, you had arrived in hell. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I, you know, there's still sort of this light, semi light at the end of the tunnel. But every time I get close, I get, I get, I get circled back to the beginning, and it is a, um, it is a, it is a, it is a circular path. It is a circular nightmarish path at the moment, but I'm not the things I mentioned before. I, uh, you know, my business, I've poured all of my life savings to hasn't been burned to the ground. I'm alive and breathing. Oh, by the way. And, uh, I'm not part of a, you know, a, a group of citizens in this country that have been, you know, systemically put down and, you know, where are my ancestors in this country essentially built the economy for this country and uh, and here I am. So I'm I'm in much better shape. I have no reason to complain. But I do want to ask you guys about this. This is a this is something I've 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 mentioned that we obviously have to talk about all this stuff on the show, and we plan to. And we have a couple of topics that we'll delve into it that actually relate to sports. Believe it or not. Oh damn it! But I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking I'm looking around, and you know, like everything else in this country, it everything divides according to ideological, feudal, tribal lines, which I love to say. And uh, and the agitators for these protests, have that's done the same thing. If you're right-wing, you think it's Antifa. And if you're left-wing, you think it's white supremacists. But guess what's in common for both those groups, guys? They're white. They're all white. <laughs> They're all white. Right. Yeah. And that's oh, by the way, got, John. I also want to remind everybody, too, and, and, I, and I've said this, I said this on the show before, is that, remember, the looters. When your team wins the Stanley Cup, people do that. When teams win the World Series, people do. Large groups of people, there will always be those people who loot. I think largely they are not ideological in nature. I think they're opportunistic. And many of them may feel, and many of them may be... Uh, you know, economically uh, disadvantaged, and God knows, you know, we can number ourselves now among the economically disadvantaged at this point. But let's remember that too: that uh, there is some level of human nature that wants to loot when given the opportunity. <laughs> and I don't know what percentage it is, but they're there and they do it again. I remember, you know, the Canadians are always considered, you know, it's a, you know, hey, take off. Everything's fine. Ooh, calm down, people. When Montreal won the cup, and I'm that old to remember when the Canadians won the cup, they were turning over cars and burning cars in the middle of Montreal, for God's sake. So there are just people who want to do that. They just want to loot. 
There's a there's a looting gene, evidently. <laughs> I saw the looting gene open for the the DVD <laughs> at the Nike Club. Man, they were good. <laughs> So, Bob, before we go, Jeff, I just want to throw this out because my daughter and her her boyfriend listened to the entire show. They were taking a trip down to actually Florida and they listened to our entire last show. And she had an interesting comment. I want to get your thoughts before we get onto our topics of the day, which, of course, include, uh, you know, the NFL statement about the uh, George Floyd incident and the protests that have followed baseball's problems reopening. Looking we'll back to, to a list of potpourri items as well. But uh, she was mentioning about reparations. Yes. And, and this is this is her, her this is her point is that. And, and this is true, that that the ancestors of African-Americans truly built. Uh, the foundations of the economy that we enjoy right now, and they they built it uh, without any without any. Uh, money given to them at all. And so perhaps their descendants deserve a discount on some of the services that happen. So her thing is that there should be scholarships open to to African-American kids and maybe some tax breaks. And that's would be, that would be what the reparations, that's how they uh, would illuminate themselves as opposed to just these cash payments i can there's i can go one better i can go uh for no taxes at all how about we don't tax them at all ever all right yeah See, there you go, i'm completely Jeff. happy with that you I'll believe in reparations in. yeah i'm behind that <laughs> yeah 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 I, I i've never had a problem with reparations i just want to make sure that they're that they are given in a way where it's not taking it's not robbing peter to pay paul I don't want Peter Ra and and it's funny because my mother and I had this conversation uh yesterday I was at my grandmother's house and uh my mother said hey you know I it's hard for me to disagree with that because I feel like reparations are owed to us. And she goes, and I hear all of the systemic racism stuff. And she said, man, you know, in the forties, our people would have really appreciated if the systemic racism had stayed at the level that the United States has it now, because systemic racism can get significantly worse. And I want to make sure that we never get ourselves into a position where the systemic racism becomes what it has in the past become this conversation actually came up because I made a joke where I said, yeah, I was watching the news this morning and there's a black lives matter, uh, protest going on in Berlin. You know, maybe they should stay on the sidelines for this whole social justice thing. It's too soon. I think for Germany to get involved in, <laughs> in, in taking a, in taking a stance on, uh, people in the United States, uh, you know, being uh, the victims of systemic racism. Maybe they just, I'm not saying that they can't have their opinions. Let's just not do it out in the open just yet. So that's my thought on that. How old's your grandmother? Uh, She's uh, 90. Both of my grandmothers are in their 90s. My grandmother, we're going to see her more often now, though, because she uh, is not going to be with us very much longer. She's uh, she's bedridden and uh, she's on oxygen and she's made many recoveries. She has lung cancer and, uh, you know, she's strong and she's strong in her faith. So she's very much ready to go. 
but for some reason, God thinks there's a reason for her to stick around because she is begging to be taken home. She <laughs> wants so badly. She's she's wow. like, I, I'm inviting people over to come see me. You know, there's a pandemic going on. Please, can someone come over? And and uh, but uh, she's still with us. And and they wow, she's putting ads out. Hey, running a fever? Have a I, cough? I, I, Need somebody to talk to? Stop I, by. I kid you not. We got a call last week from uh, my sister saying hey mom wants you to facetime her because she's at munner we call my grandmother munner she's at munner's house and they're bringing over hospice uh it's she's probably not going to make it through the night so she wants you to facetime her munner really wants to talk to you and uh so i did and my mom it the the message didn't get to me until a couple hours after it was originally given which thank god it went out worked out this way but i call and like they're sitting there she's sitting up in bed with her oxygen in her nose like they're having a conversation she's like man everybody's dying to call me right now <laughs> and we're like yeah that's because we thought you were dying but she made a miraculous recovery again another one yeah all right outstanding congratulations to her although i guess that's actually not the right thing to say from her point of view <laughs> i know uh all right well, let's let's move on lots to talk about today uh john before we go on any any just introductory thoughts that you have before we dive into today's show, or are you ready to just dive in? What, what what's your general state of mind, my friend? Uh, wow, gosh, uh, interesting uh, question for me. My general state of mind is as it has been. I mean, I I, I bounce back and forth the last couple of days between being angry and being sad. Obviously, I think like a lot of folks, no no. No matter what, where you stand, I don't think outside of being an agitator, one of the agitators, I don't think anybody likes seeing what we're seeing. Um, but uh, I had an opportunity to do a, another edition of an online show that I do called Joe's um, NYC Bar. And part of that, it's a fully, Mark, you know, obviously you've been a part of Joe's when we've done live, um, immersive discussion show where we have themes that we want to touch on but really it ends up being a large discussion between people who might otherwise not talk about things and it was uh it was a good show last night and we talked a lot about systemic racism and what we you know to the point uh that uh jeff made in the last show it's like okay let's let's all agree it's happening what are how can we solve the problem what do we need to do and uh we all agreed and no we don't have the answers but that we have to get to, we have to be at that point now where we sit down, look each other in the eye and honestly talk about things so that we can come up with uh, solutions. So I'm hopeful, I think um, I am. I, I realize that uh, while uh, rioting is not a good thing and violence is not a good thing, sometimes uh, in the in the spirit of the squeaky wheel gets oiled. Uh, a lot of people haven't been listening to squeaky wheel for for far too long. And uh Certainly, uh, we could go one of two ways in this, and I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we go the correct way. I'm hesitant to say the right way. Uh, the correct way because uh, the, um, uh, the opposite of that is something I don't want to – I will try not to wrap my head around, which is uh, just more militaristic responses to social issues. What do you think about that? Because there has been a growth in the amount of uh, law enforcement added to these, especially the hot zones, we'll call them, of these riots and looting. And uh, I think the response has been relatively uh, well handled by those in law enforcement in those cities. 
Well, it really depends on what city uh, you're, you're looking at, because that's uh, certainly not true everywhere. And uh, I, I, as with anything, Jeff, I think when we talk about law enforcement, I think the vast majority of law enforcement people uh, do their job well under bad conditions. And those uh, sadly, those who don't bring uh, are bringing what I say, sadly, those who aren't acting honorably and uh, professionally are being exposed. Yeah, that, but I but I feel like that other than the Atlanta, which thank God was just that they they pulled the wrong people over that were not a part of this, and they used their tasers. But at the that story has a good uh, ending yeah. that those kids were found to be college students that weren't part of any rioting or looting. Those police officers were fired. Nobody was killed. And that's the only story I can think of everywhere else. I feel like, you know, I I know people are complaining about being shot with rubber bullets, but that's a happier ending to a story, in my opinion. Also openly attacking members of the press. And that's happening everywhere. Uh, There's also video of people being tear gassed while standing on their uh, on their porch um, filming police just coming down the street. So are they are they being are they being tear gassed or are they uh, on a porch above a place where there's tear gas? No, they were they were being openly. There's a video of them openly the police stopping, turning around and shooting tear gas canisters onto their porch. I haven't seen that. I'll have to check it out. I think we all right. we watch so different the, news so outlets. We, we do. So, so there we go. Let's not go down this. this let's not go down this path right now. I I will agree where you are, John Pelkey, in terms of, uh, you know, between angry, between sad, and and a little hopeful. You know, I think we do have a chance to, uh, it, it, you know, if we really concentrate on localities and our local officials and our state officials. As the former president wrote today, and uh, try and get systemic change through that, through the electoral project process, and through the protesting process. We're also I think seeing a lot of. Okay, we're also seeing, and I, I'm sorry, I, I just I I feel like I have to say this. We're also seeing uh, some really really quality leadership from certain police departments that uh, that realize that uh, the answer to this isn't just a militaristic approach, uh, no matter what may be coming down from the federal government. Well. Yeah, Mark, and I, I want to ask you a question to I lighten this get up to too too much into that. Yes, that's go ahead. why I want to lighten this up. Are you more hopeful that we solve all of society's ills or that you'll actually ever get any money from uh, the state government <laughs> or, or, the federal, or the federal government or the federal government? What are you more hopeful for? I uh, let's that we see. solve systemic racism after more than 400 years or that after. 60 plus days you actually received close, close to close to 80 days john and okay. not a dime but i uh i would say based on based on the last 80 days experience yeah and then filtered through 60 years of of witnessing american history uh, I would say uh, the end of systemic racism is what i'm more hopeful for and you know well, in the end in yeah. the end you'll take the hit You'll take I mean, the hit. I will gladly take that hit and uh, end up Edgar Allan Poe in a gutter, which, of course, I should have been there 25 sure. years ago. Sure. I would gladly take that hit if systemic racism and, uh, you know, Perhaps 400. the universe is just adjusting to where it should be. There should it, be an end to systemic racism, and, yes. and you should be but a memory. 
I really should. I really should. And that's true. I think that's how justice is best served. I think that's how the arc of history bends towards justice. Some people have to, you know, there's collateral damage in that, John. Sure. And I, you know, at this point in time, you know, who's really, who's really going to miss me? (laughs) Well, I'll miss you for at least 80% of the shows that we do. There you go. There are a couple, though, I'd like to just monologue through. Uh, and well, <laughs> I think perhaps indeed you even have. So here we go. Progressive trivia coming up right now. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. That was supposed to be a four minute segment. It was 40. Johnny. Oh, whatever. All right, folks, looking for a Major League Baseball player, past or present. Uh, Mark, I think this one might be easy for you. Uh, Jeff, as we know, is is a professional. So uh, he, he, he'll probably get it right. But I think this one might be easier for you. I spent 20-plus years in Major League Baseball, all of those years in the American League. My career numbers are a 300-plus batting average, 1,000-plus RBI, 3,000-plus hits. I played with Jim Cott and Burt Campanaris. You want those again? All right. So, so that's why it might be easier for me because it's in an era that Jeff is less familiar with. And you also know me. Jim Cott. There's an extra clue for you. There it is. Burt Campanaris, 300, 1,000. Is that about it? 20 years? Uh, uh, over 300, uh, 1,000 uh, plus, uh, plus RBI, 3,000 plus hits. Yeah, all 20 plus years, all in the American League. All right. Uh, my first guess is just based on that last clue you gave me. The, the, Sorry, the I was over from the mic because I'm the, an idiot. The verbal clue. The verbal clue you gave me is where this first guess will come, and I will uh, I will eventually give it to you once we get into our next segment, which is about the NFL statement. You've read it, Jeff, the statement they made yesterday? I have not. I Surprisingly, right. because I feel like I should have had a uh, an update about that, but I have not seen an update. I've seen a lot of baseball updates. So they came out with a statement which uh, you know has predictably been pushed back on pretty hard by a lot of the players. And uh, a lot of fans, you know, sort of the best reaction, if it's a negative reaction, the best one is an eye roll, a serious eye roll. The worst is like, you know, screw you. you. You guys are assholes. You weren't there when it mattered. Now you're there after the fact. But if you give if you do give the NFL the benefit of the doubt, they're essentially I'll, I'll um, try and synthesize what their statement was, which was essentially not only are we tragically upset about what happened to George Floyd and um Others in recent times who have been unarmed and senselessly murdered because of um, overreaching police departments. But that we understand that this has been a problem for a long time. There is a systemic issue here, which I thought was noteworthy, that they use the word systemic. And that we recognize the platform that we have as the NFL and that we hope to do everything we can to support these families and these societal problems. So if you're looking at it from a benefit of the doubt point of view, think putting your corporate hat on, putting your three steps forward, two steps back uh, hat on, putting your like step-by-step, not making the perfect, the enemy, the good hat on, you could possibly say this is a foundational statement that sets the tone for not only like, okay, you can kneel, no biggie, but yeah, we'll support your right to do that. We, 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 will, we will make sure 
that if anyone comes at you and calls you a thug because you kneel down, that's one of the most egregious things he's ever done. I'm sorry, that's a sidebar. But if someone does that, we will support you. We don't, to your point, John, we don't sanction it necessarily, but we will support it. Right. Yeah. Do you and think that, was, that statement could be something toward that, John, or am I just being a Pollyanna because I'm, I'm in a vortex and I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking for systemic racism to end because that is the alternate for my uh, unhappy times right now. First of all, just to let everybody know, uh, when you said uh, to my point, that was a conversation we had uh, before the show where I said you had asked whether or not you, I thought that the NFL would come out and and. Uh, encourage the taking of a knee. I said, I don't think, certainly don't think that that is the case, nor should that be their uh, purveyance. They have what I think they should do. And what I think that they probably will do at this point is um, uh, not encourage people to do it, but uh, not actually uh, uh, have any issue with support players that do it to your point. Sorry, this is, I'm watching your answers come up for the, uh, for the progressive well, trivia, it's throwing spell me. Spell correct. I'm sorry. I <laughs> fucking hate that. I man. would prefer to receive poorly spelled words than to <laughs> yeah. have to figure how to out how to cite, decipher Carney Allen's Ford. Right. Yeah. Carney Lansford is what Mark was going for. That is not correct, by the All way. Right. Carney Allen's Ford actually makes me so happy. <laughs> it sounds like a Civil War reference, and that's why it makes me happy. General. General, we got to get across the Rapidan. Let's we'll move down to Carney Allen's Ford. We can get across there. <laughs> uh, but it is not Carney Lansford. It is not Carney Lansford. All right. Fair you enough. ducked up, Mark. You ducked up. All-star. It's a forgotten all-star, uh, Carney Lansford. Uh, but I think I think the NFL is going to have to now not uh, rescind the idea that if, if you don't want to stand for the anthem, you have to wait in the locker room. Uh, I don't think they have any choice. But let me back up. Are you being a Pollyanna? I think maybe a little bit. And here's oh, yeah. why. Here's why. Okay. The NFL, uh, your second guess is correct. The NFL is, um, what, what else were they going to do at this point? People were starting to call out entities that were not speaking out about this. And I think, the, you know, the killing in Minneapolis, it's hard to find anyone defending what happened. Well, and, that's and killing except for that quote. mayor in Mississippi. Whatever. Well, Mississippi. Nice. I, I'll, I'll quote an old Civil War guy, and I'm, I'm probably using the wrong state. I think it meant South Carolina. But Mississippi, uh, too small for a country, too large for an insane asylum. So there you go. Um, the, uh, so the NFL had to issue a statement. I, did, I do agree with you, though, that I think uh, acknowledging systematic racism, they actually yep. bring up a couple of the other uh, uh, horrible things that have happened recently. Yep. Um, I think they had no choice. Roger Goodell is sadly a, a, a bad uh, messenger for this, because I think a lot of people felt like with the Kaepernick thing that uh, simply moneyed interests, which is often the case with any sort of large entity like this, took precedent to uh, what what many people see as a moral issue and is a moral issue, and particularly in a sport where uh, I believe it's around 70 percent, maybe greater uh, of your of your uh, workforce are African-American, certainly players, maybe not around the rest of the league and certainly coaches and stuff. But uh, so I, he's a bad messenger, but it doesn't necessarily mean if you're a bad messenger that you're not sincere. 
So I will mean I will say perhaps you're being a little Pollyanna-ish, but I will join you in that Pollyanna-ishness wow. and say that I, I that's do never think- happened, by the way, people. That's never ever happened. Whenever I've been Pollyanna and John wasn't quite sure, I you know, and, and John called me out on my Pollyanna, he would run the other way for the last twenty years. This yeah. is this is a historic moment, John. I think well, it's because it's because of the times we're in. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't think you can look at what's happening right now and uh, and see it any other way than uh, because I've seen uh, for, I have seen friends and former coworkers and acquaintances who would normally be who hated Kaepernick uh, for what he did uh, or are normally the people who uh, it, any any mention of racism is more uh, egregious to them than actual incidents of racism. And I'm seeing that turn a little bit. I'm I seeing a too. lot of people who are saying, OK, yeah, you know what? We do have a problem here. And to Jeff's point, how do we solve that problem? And And my hope comes from the fact that we have people from all different parts of the political spectrum uh, feeling that way. And it, it reminds me of. When, you know, in the 60s, support for the Vietnam War eventually ended up being uh, less than 50 percent. The majority of people did not support the war. And that led to change. So I'm going to be hopeful in that. And I'm going to tell you, you're not being uh, terribly Pollyanna-ish, Pollyanna-ish. I'm not, I don't think that's a word. Um, it is now. Yeah, it is. It is now. But don't try to spell it show. on your phone. That's going <laughs> to be the title of the show, I think. <laughs> It's going to, yeah, Polly's anti-fish will actually, what it's going to say when, when Belichick gets a hold of it. Um, uh, I agree, John, and I think I think it's interesting, and that's why I was uh, sort of on a jag yesterday about this Atlanta mayor who seemed to cut across all lines in terms of calling for real solutions, not only immediately to the protests, and if you're not, you know, if you're involved in a riotous one, go home, organize a, organize a peaceful one. The next day, yeah, you know, she did a she did a just a tremendous job off the cuff, which I think, uh, you know, that and the fact that some really really right wing columnists and so forth that we wholeheartedly disagree with embraced it shows that there is there there is a light to your point. There, I, I have seen it in terms of the George Floyd thing individually. There is not much pushback on that at all, and I think that certainly. People have people have gone into camps now about, you know, how, how it's been handled subsequently. But sure. regarding your point about Cap, you brought up Kaepernick. So let's say it's some the Pollyanna take is maybe 52 to 48 in terms of it maybe could go that way, that this could be a foundational beginning to not necessarily sanctioning kneeling, but saying, you know, we're not going to stand in your way and we'll support your right because we understand that you're making a statement against something that is systemic and is problematic. And this is way better than looting Target. And so and let me add something else to this is, is that I think this uh, while, you know, it's uh, it does seem ridiculous that all of this is happening during a pandemic and, you know, the the. The, the murder wasps and uh, the sodomy goats and everything that's coming are, you know, the exploding turtles and whatever we're going to get now, locusts, whatever. Um, this may take a little pressure off owners who may want to sign Colin Kaepernick, because I think 
almost everyone who knows anything would agree that if if teams have generally have, let's say, three quarterbacks, one of them may be on a practice squad, but there's no way he's not one of the 90 best people who could play quarterback in the National Football League. It's just that's not a possibility that, that he's, he's better than Blaine Gabbert. Yes, he is, he is better absolutely. Than Blaine Gabbert. And I don't care what your system is. You can make those adjustments because everyone has defenses and offenses that are designed to deal with RPOs and so forth. Well, now, one of, it's, it's it's all over the National Football League. He could easily fit in. So that's the question, John. Well, what are the odds? If you were well, in Vegas and here was an over-under and it was 20%, whether he signs with a team this year, would you take the over or the under? Yeah, I'll take the over, and I'll tell you why. Uh, to, to, uh, my point for that being is that one of the concerns, and I think this is a valid concern, though I think it's one you should have the courage to overcome, is that people would pick at games and that uh, it would be uh, detrimental to your bottom line. We're probably going to play football games without fans. So that's no longer an issue. So the, all people could do is turn off the TV, and I'm gonna I will, I will look into the camera. And if you're uh, listening to this, it's a podcast, so you're not going to get that. But I'm just I'm going to look intimidatingly into the camera as I say that. Any of you out there who uh, say you would not watch football because Colin Kaepernick is on a an NFL roster are lying through your fucking teeth. You're going to no. watch. You're going to watch. You were going to watch before because I had people who said that I'm not going to watch anymore because the NFL isn't coming out and saying that Colin Kaepernick should be shot. They watched. They lied through their teeth and they're lying through their teeth today. The ratings, though, John, the ratings were lower during those couple of years. Yes, but they did take a hit. You cannot find a cause. I, I don't know that the cause effect of that is what you think it is, because that's also the period of time when the ways that we could watch and consume football expanded. So the numbers for everything were down and the numbers in the NFL were down a little, but they were not down even as much as regular television viewing was. They've for gone things. up, though, since they've gone up since they sort of took a stand that they said they weren't good, that the Colin Kaepernick thing was behind them after after that ill-fated attempt to uh to have a uh, pro day, if you will, uh, last year, you know, there is some evidence that says, because I agree with you that the red zone coming online and everything else, you know, it, it depressed some of the ratings regardless of what was going on in the National Football League. But I think once the NFL came out last year and said that story is behind us and sort of the whole kneeling thing was passe most of last year, actually, that the the ratings ticked up and it was a good football season. There were some newer teams involved. Uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons to it, John, but I, I think that um, I will agree with you here that that was minuscule enough. It wasn't, it wasn't significant enough in my opinion to warrant not doing what they might do now. They might do. What if it's 45%? What would you take over or under? Over. Um, here's the oh, other thing about that. Right. though with Nielsen ratings is that, you know, a lot of those are people keeping diaries for Nielsen. And, uh, and I, and I openly, and I look into the camera again, I think they're lying. We and I'll do, tell you why I think to do that. YouTube live. Cause you look at the camera way too much. I, <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm encouraging it. If, we, if we get on another platform, because they have done polls from people for, for years, uh, and it was a couple of years old, the, the last one I saw where they would ask them what news source they really liked to watch. And many people, large percentages of people said the McNeil-Lara report. What? Okay. Robert McNeil hadn't been on the, the what was then like Washington report with Jim Lehrer, or whatever the hell it was called at that point, for 
a decade. And people will still people will lie in those situations to make themselves sound better, which is why oh, like take Trump didn't have support last year. I mean, in 2016, that's why polls were so skewed, because people were afraid to say they were supporting yeah. Trump. And I still think polls are skewed because I still think there are people for an ungodly reason who would support him. But they know if they said it, people like me would say, why on God's earth, green earth would you do that? And and. So I don't necessarily believe that they would take uh, that they did take that much of a hit. Frankly, I think people were still watching the red zone. And I'm I love pro football, but I, I've watched a full game outside of a playoff game or a Sunday night game, a Sunday afternoon game. Even even when the Redskins, my team are on locally, I watched the red zone. So, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm dubious as to those numbers, but I think Colin Kaepernick may end up on somebody's football team. They, they, he could end up on your team. That would work. It, uh, do you want to bring him in with a young quarterback? Do you want to bring a guy like that? I think I think with a guy, a young Haskins, and they kind of, if not all in on Haskins, they're going to see what happens with him. I think it. it I think it's better to have an older veteran. There, he, he is an older veteran. Kaepernick well, is an older veteran at this point. Yeah, but I mean. To, uh, Somebody to, to 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 better mentor him than a guy who really is going to want to be on the fast track to starting and as well he should be given all the time that he's lost. So I don't know if that's a good mix. Somebody did put uh, I saw on Facebook said really what should happen is the Minnesota Vikings should shine him. I don't get that at all. That makes well, a lot less sense than the Washington Redskins. It's not a football. Cousins not, had a great year. It's not a football thing, Mark. It's a George Floyd thing. That okay. the Minnesota Vikings should make a statement in in that way. I, I'm not saying I agree with that, Mark. I'm just saying that's just that's that. just dumb. That's just dumb. Sorry, that's just typical Minnesota overreaction. Well, I don't even know it was somebody from Minnesota. I just I just saw that there were that somebody had put had had popped it up on Facebook, and, uh, and you know and, and and thought that that would be an interesting thing that the Vikings could should show could show solidarity with the African American community by doing that. And I don't disagree that it would be seen as that way by, by people. Yeah, it's just if you if you know anything about Minnesota, and I do, I was I lived there for four years. It is one of the most segregated cities in the country. It, there is, and and it's that's be, that's being proven out. It is one of the most segregated cities in the country, and they have done very little, even even with. You know, and we've talked about this. It, it's so systemic. It goes so deep. Even with a change of the guard in terms of uh, the police chief a couple years ago, someone who had been a victim of police abuse uh, before they went into the uh, the police force. But the uh, the history of problems that the Minneapolis Police Department have had with African Americans goes back so far. And it, it's almost insulting if the Vikings would do that. That would make me mad because it's like, are you really trying to gloss this over by doing this, Minnesota Vikings? God in heaven, how typical Minnesota for, for, for you to do something like that. Jeez. And, and especially because there's no chance he would even see the field because Cousins is a good quarterback who had a very, very good year. It's well, just there, ridiculous. There goes that hoped-for uh, spam advertising endorsement. Good Lord. It's, they're based out of Austin, Minnesota. Or so. 3M. Or 3M. Are they based out of Minnesota as well? Oh, yeah. they. You know, And, of course, they have to do with sort of every product that's ever been made. Yep. And, including and Napalm, probably, I believe. 
but they're probably basically run out of China at this point. Who's getting who? Three, three M. Wow. All right. So, so we're there not you go. Three M or spam. So you know no, that money that you're hoping to come in, Mark. You're just you are really biting the hand that feeds right now because I was so close with three M. I've been working <laughs> my corporate. I feel like sales. Robert. I feel like the 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 very 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 poor man's Robert Spiegel who continues to bite the hand that feed feeds him uh, for the Dana Carvey show, which is just a great documentary if you oh. haven't seen it yet. Yes, yes. I agree is. with you, John. I, I'm at about a 50% thing. Jeff, before we move on to the next topic, if, if, if you're in Vegas right now, I'm going to start with the odds I gave Pelkey, 20% over or under. What do you bet? Under. Yeah? Yeah. I you don't, don't think I there's don't, any chance at all? No, I don't. I don't because I think that uh, – don't take this the wrong way, but I think that uh, a lot of people view – kneeling during the national anthem as a as a bad thing not not necessarily a horrible thing but they don't appreciate it and uh i think they see it the same way as they're peaceful protesters and there are rioters and looters i think they see that more as a rioting and looting than than a peaceful protest now now you just said those words i know you just said those words yep can how do you if you were to be a defense attorney defending that point of view I how think could you defend equating kneeling with rioting I think that only because I'm I'm not trying to equate it as on a on an equal level I'm saying that I think that if Colin Kaepernick had knelt during the entire four quarters of the game everybody would have supported him but kneeling during the national anthem sends a message that people don't like Wow, wow, is what I say. All right, let's go on to our next set of progressive trivias. I'm sorry. People are morons. People are morons. There are people who think Pearl Harbor was a good movie. People are idiots. I mean, (laughs) wow, wow. I don't know. I I know you don't like it, but how do you equate it to rioting compared to protest? Because you're not you're not you're not listening to what I said, though. I said from a I'm not saying that it's the same thing as rioting. I'm saying that it's seen if you take peaceful protests and rioting, you see, this is good, this isn't so good, then his kneeling during the national anthem, as opposed to the rest of the game, is seen as good versus not so good. That's why people were upset when he chose to kneel. Okay, the guy, so if, if someone, likes, if someone likes white chocolate as opposed to chocolate, and they say, chocolate, not so good. <laughs> you're basically you could have used that as an example as opposed to rioting and protest you know what i mean i don't i, I like, think why? i think i think the reason why why i use that analogy is first of all it's fresh but also it has the same it, it it's linear with that is i'm not equating kneeling with looting and rioting that's not what i'm equating i'm equating people's feelings about it people feel like he chose the wrong time to do it okay yeah well, I mean, that educate themselves as to why he did it. And I, I can't stand I can't stand the fact that he that he decided to kneel during the national anthem. I love the fact that the Orlando uh, police chief and the Orlando sheriff knelt during the protest yesterday. I loved it. And, and what do you think they were kneeling for? What was that? What was that against systemic racism? And it was the people so, that are being accused of the systemic racism at the top at this moment, the sheriff and the police chief kneeling with the protesters. I thought it was awesome. So let me ask you this, Jeff, on every kickoff, let's say, because kneeling the whole game is silly. But but, yeah, if you but know, on every ki- on every kickoff, when everyone else is standing up, 
And if they took a knee on every kickoff, would that that would be fine? Yes, for you? Just I would love that. That bothers you? Yes, that's the only problem is doing it during the national anthem. Is patriotism, there, patriotism is the last refuge to which a scoundrel clings. Steal I, a little, they put you in jail. Steal a lot, and they make you. A I, I, that that may be a very cute uh, little saying there, it, but the reality well, is it that found, it was one of the it was one of a Ben Franklin you know, statement. Yeah, it was great. So found, it was a founding father statement. Yeah, I thought it was Thomas Paine, but that's my bad. It right. was a founding father statement. Yes. Jeff. So I mean, it's it's not a cute saying. Yeah. I mean, but the the reality of it is that 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 being patriotic about your country, I don't think is a is a negative. Maybe maybe I'm not looking deeply enough into the Benjamin Franklin statement. By the way, he would have been me too. So, uh, oh the, God, yes. <laughs> well, no, not now though. That that died. That died this year. Yeah. It's 2017 last, to 2020. We la, officially, last year, it, it officially died with the Joe Biden thing. So, all right, here's the next so. set of clues in our progressive trivia. We're looking for Major League Baseball player, pastor. I thought president. I was. I thought I was running the show. I thought <laughs> I was running the show. John what felt the, the need to move. John. John will will dominate regardless. You're being very it's, Pollyanna it's about this, Mark. What's that? <laughs> You're being very Pollyanna about this. Seriously. It's just, Mark, I know your proclivity, and sometimes it works to ask more questions, when we, and then we end up in a circular situation, and I, I'm, I just... You know what? You're right. You're driving the show. I'll, I'll wait. I'll, I'll hold on to my progress trivia. No, no. It, it, and part it, of this because you've guessed the, the answer, too, so the, you're not the interested. The problem in is, is it, it's it's my timing. I will say this. I, the same thing happened with uh, I was doing some sort of a Zoom game with the kids yesterday, and they get into this huge argument, and they keep going back and forth, and we're about to stop, and we're about to move on to the next thing because they're arguing about a rule or something. And they're back and forth, and I, I'm, I'm trying to chime in, but then I'm thinking, okay, it's done. We're ready to move. Let's go. And then the second I chime in, the second I chime in, it's like, no, 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 we're done. We're done. We're done. We're done. It's the same thing that just happened right now. It's, it's the timing. It's the timing, John, because, you know, just, things have been <laughs> perpetuated on both sides. But I will. It I was, will, uh, it was Samuel know. Johnson, by the way. Yeah, I will go yeah, to my yeah. better angels, who is also, I believe, you know, a, found, a technically a founding father. Let's move on from the I'll take the hit now because that I had forgotten that it was he was actually quoting uh, he was quoting Samuel Johnson, who they quoted, uh, who was who was a very uh, early uh, opponent of slavery, by the way. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yes, he. Was. Okay, but we will end this. We will end this segment on the fact that if if they kneel, say every kickoff. Yeah. That would be fine. If if Colin Kaepernick came out tomorrow and said that he would kneel during the kickoff instead of the national anthem, I would be cheering for the Washington Redskins to sign him to start to back up Dwayne Haskins to do whatever. I would think that that would be a political statement that would bring everybody behind him. Every, maybe not everybody. I should be, I should remember that there are crazy people. So the large percentage of people would get behind him, not only because he, would he be shutting up the people that, that feel like the national anthem is the wrong thing, but he would be making everybody pay attention to the message he's trying to get across as opposed to having an argument. We'd be all be able to say, hey, that's great. All right. That's the last word.
And I'm in favor of him laying down during the national anthem, and I wouldn't want the Redskins to sign him for football reasons. So there we go. And, I, and by the way, I think he could start for us as well. As well. So. All right, everybody. It's time. It's finally time. All right, next set of clues for our progressive trivia. Again, remind you, the first clues, 22 years in the majors, all of those years in the American League, career numbers, 300-plus uh, batting average, 1,000-plus RBI, 3,000-plus hits, played with Jim Cott and Burt Campanaris. It was a Rookie of the Year and an MVP. In fact, finished six times in the top ten for MVP, winning only once. Is a 220 postseason batting average. Uh, 3,000 hit was off of Frank Viola. I'm going to give people some uh, uh, time perspectives there. And I never won a World Series. Now back to this kneeling thing. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, so uh, let's move on to, to Major League Baseball. Who... I mean, they're having th th this organization, uh, predictably, predictably, is having some problems. And it's been outlined pretty nicely by the Jeff Hassans of the world and people that covered Major League Baseball. You know, the difference on how to pay the pay players, whether it's prorated based on an earlier agreement in terms of how many games and you just prorate the salary, just call it a that's it. Uh, and of course, the owners have now asked for something above and beyond what's already been um, agreed upon, which is a share of the revenue, a 50% share of the revenue. So that's a huge one. But they also have problems because they are under a lot more pressure, John and, and, and Jeff, because both of those entities, in terms of the NBA and the NHL, they're in a, under a lot more pressure than those entities because they've played 80% of their season, if not more. The NHL's played more than 80%. So a lot of that revenue has already been attained. And now they're looking for some sort of postseason uh, wrap-up to the season and to, and to get that postseason money, which, of course, every sport makes more money during the postseason than in the regular season. So baseball's under that pressure as well. Baseball's under additional pressure in terms of locales because if this goes far too long and they have to stretch it too long – you know, how many warm weather cities are there to put the season in? And is that fair in the postseason? And um, I just think that they are not. There's a lot of people out there worried that because of all of these issues with all of these high stakes attached to them. And the fundamental one being about how everyone gets paid that that this sport may be the one least likely to open up cleanly when we do open up. Yeah, and, and I, we, we've hoped that baseball usually is the harbinger for that. It's an American sport, you know, as American as it gets, essentially. And if it doesn't, you know, what what's that going to do to not only baseball, but our psyche, our national psyche? Well, here's here, and here's a couple of things. It's Bradford Doolittle has a great uh, article that I that I sent over to Mark this morning, and uh, I, I will I promise I will get it on uh, the after further review sites for people to to read. And, and I've been negligent about that when I've said it in the past, but he's talking about a lot of different things. Some of them that you've laid out, Mark, uh, the fact that other st other sports, NBA and NHL, have had the majority of their regular season, and they could now just come back and play 
a uh, a a playoff tournament of some uh, 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 of some sort, and the teams that weren't involved in the tournament would not feel like they were being um, unfairly treated. Frankly, I, some you know would complain a little bit, but uh, and 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 they've talked about expanded playoffs. Baseball has not had a regular season. And as baseball fans, Mark and Jeff, you both know the the long season in baseball is how you determine the best teams. You can't play a 25 game season, 30, 50 game season, even in Major League Baseball and really determine who the best teams are. So how do you you and, and you because they haven't started their regular season, you can't just jump in and have a playoff tournament, though. I think it would be really a lot of fun if they just did some enormous round robin tournament, Major League Baseball. Uh, so uh, you, uh, Jeff smiled. Yeah, I would. That would be amazing. But they can't really do that. That would add a second asterisk. No, I, I uh, to be honest with you, I was uh, I, I became very confident that there's going to be a season when I saw the proposal that the players association put forward today i think they literally went half past what they really want and i think what we'll end up with is a hundred game season i think that they'll sacrifice a little bit more money but not a lot more money and the owners who are now under pressure and let me say very happy also that the washington nationals the my favorite team decided that they were going to stop paying their minor league players and the biggest stars on that team came together and said, we're going to pay those players. And jump to our potpourri. And we're going to talk about that. Yeah. And, yeah. And not only that, David Price of the Dodgers. Too. Yeah. And then the national, but I don't know what the, if the Dodgers have made a decision yet or not, but the nationals today came and said, no, 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 we're going to pay. We're going to go ahead and pay those minor ah. league players ourselves. So oh, that's great. So you see what can happen when uh, you, you take a, take a, a message that needs to be sent by the loudest voices and you say, hey, we're going to we're going to take this on the chin ourselves. You get good results. That team said, well, we're not going to we're not going to take the PR hit of making our players who we're trying not to pay, pay these guys. They're going to pay. Them. Well, one of the other uh, one of the other issues uh, with uh, with baseball versus the other two sports is uh, in NHL, the NHL and NBA, hockey and basketball. Um is that the collective bargaining agreement for baseball is coming up. So all of this decision, you know, for baseball, for hockey and basketball, this is like, okay, this is a, a, a situation we could not have expected. It is outside of the norm, clearly. So we're going to have, we're going to do something this season to bring the sport back, crown a champion, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't have really anything to do with our collective bargaining agreement moving forward. I think baseball has a couple of years. Um, basketball, I believe, is into 2024, if I'm not incorrect on that. 2023, 2024. That sounds right. Baseball, however, it's coming up next year. And uh, it's being folded into that, too. So, Mark, I think that's another one of the issues. You've talked about your disdain for Tony Clark and the way he's handled for the, the Players Association, and, and he has not been good for them. And this is a big, big moment for Tony Clark. Uh, this could yeah. determine and you know whether means. or not he continues. You know what that um, means? Have you looked at his postseason batting average when big <laughs> moments happen? Is it better than our progressive trivia? Because 220. It's barely better than that, yes. It's ba- <laughs> um, no, Tony Clark is, is, is a bit of a clam, and I, I, I thought it was 2022, but maybe next year is when 2021 I think it's is. 21-22 is, uh, yeah, and, this is the last point, year. If you haven't heard, our point 
John, is that we think Tony Clark should take the high road now and try and get some um, play the long game. Yeah, try and get some promises from the ownership but to again, alleviate some of the issues that they've been talking about for a long time in Major League Baseball, and that will bound to become up in the 21-22 talks. Take care of those now. Get those, you know, get those, uh, get, get the owners to give them those particular, I don't know what the word is. What is it? Benefits, whatever it is. Yeah. The benefits. Concessions. Concessions, thank you. Concessions, do that. Take the hit right now for, for the salary. No one is going to forgive Major League Baseball if they don't get this if they don't get their shit together. Yeah, there is we that. We are concern. in a pandemic and we are in a horrible, violent, protesting time in this country. It is this is up there with the late sixties. It's not quite the depression into it's not quite the depression into World War Two. Oh, give but it, it is it is up there. Yeah, no, it is. And here's the other they thing, Mark. don't need to be the people that are whining and bitching on the sideline about a couple of bucks. But here's the, here's the other thing, though, Mark. Again, and you bring it up, you know, it's Tony Clark playing the long game. Well, uh, again, that's part of the uh, of Doolittle's argument about this is that because the issues go beyond just coming up with a framework to make this work, that elongates the discussion because you now you're now you're looking for uh, you're not just trying to decide on what you're going to do over the next six months. You're trying to decide what you're going to do over a number of years so that that could elongate the talks, lengthen the talks because there are more things to deal with. So I, I agree with you in theory, and I do believe that Tony Clark does need to play the long game. Um, it's 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 going to be difficult to do. Uh in a timely manner, and we are running out of time. I, I will agree with Jeff. I think one of the smart things that the players did was they said 114 game season, and no, and everyone knows that in starting, I believe, the 31st of June was what they were looking for. July 1st. Um, I don't think any of us believe that's going to happen. I think I think 100 is a little bit. Uh, I would say that they might be able to settle on an 85 game season to 90 game season. I think 100 might be a little bit much, but I do think the players were smart in what they did in this proposal. So I've Tony Clark evolved with that. I think that this proposal that they put forward, there are a lot of things that are non-starters and the 114 game season apparently is right at the top of that list of the non-starters. But uh, I think it's good to see them. So part of it is they're listening to Tom, Tom Glavin a little bit too. The players can't be seen as the, only ones who are stopping this because of money. Um, again, there are so many other moving parts that are involved. The fact that this is folded into a, uh, a, a an issue with uh, with uh, the, the collective bargaining agreement uh, makes it more difficult for baseball. And again, I, two weeks ago, I think we all thought baseball is going to lead the way. Baseball is going to get us there. And I'll tell you, the over-under for me now on whether or not there's a baseball season, if you set the over, if you set the number at 60%, I might take the under. I still, I, I still wouldn't yet. bet money on it. I, I, w- I don't feel comfortable enough putting any money over or under right now. Hopefully, though, yeah. they figure You're it out. You're probably right. I don't yeah. know. I, I would I would put money on the over. I would put money on the over all the time. I, I don't know how we could not have a baseball season if other sports have their seasons. It does. It, it, if the health officials and all, because that's, that sport is easier to play, oh, by the way, for social distancing. 
if baseball can't get their act together and the NHL and the NBA do, I don't see that as a realistic thing. Do they have to get rid of the shift? <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, <laughs> so there and, may be a good, uh, there's something good may come out of it. Well, we talked don't about that. Mitigated the, by the damn uh, uh, designated hitter crap. No, I know we've talked about that, and that's gonna that's probably gonna be the reality. But I think I don't know. I think there's no way that baseball doesn't happen, and yeah, I, I think that I, no. I just think that Tony Clark, to your point, John, the long game is talking about the next contract. Let's not even worry about the next six months. Let's go ahead and go with Major League Baseball's plan. 81 games, the postseason plan that they have, revenue sharing will give you all of it. All of your testing, all of your protocols, all of your uh, you know, health and CDC guideline protocols that you, you are going to put in place. We'll go with that, and we're going to talk about the long game, and maybe we'll mention the shift. Maybe we'll mention the shift. And it's like, you know, I don't know. I just, it there's does not minutia. seem possible that, that we wouldn't have a baseball but season. There's other minutiae because one of the things where they said, but the players will have to sit in the stands uh, because they can't socially distance enough in the dugout. And I, I, I'm in their players going, okay, July in Atlanta, I'm not sitting in the stands. <laughs> now, I'm sure they could put something together to, to help the players out. But again, <laughs> there's just so much minutia in simply getting the engine started again that uh, the extra added thing that these decisions now have to have some sort of uh, effect on the collective bargaining agreement moving forward, I think slows things down. And that's something I didn't think about before. And it's just, you know, I, I see t- to me, you, you do one or the other. You don't you don't incorporate both. You do one or the other. You say, you know, that's what I think Jeff Passan was advocating or perhaps uh, Jason Stark or Tim Kirkchen, whatever baseball one writers. I've never seen actually, them all in room together, by the way. I believe they may be one the, one person. That's true. Because they're the only three we ever like. Right. Because every other baseball writer, we, we we literally throw to the bottom of the heap in terms of human beings. And I and I think and I think it's just impressive that the that the same guys playing Passon as is playing Kirkjian. Because to get into that tiny little Kirkjian suit after you've been in the Passon suit has got to be difficult. No, it's good. It's, it's bad it, on your back. You're on your lower back. They're versatile. They're ver- very versatile actors. There's no doubt about it. I I just don't know if NBA and NHL figure out a way to do it to restart. But again, now, it's just all they really have to do is a playoff tournament. That's true. They don't think about do a whole it season. Term. It's a playoff tournament, and, and you had to step out for a moment when Jeff and I were talking about this, but baseball needs the longest season to decide the, the way the they game do. is, to yeah. decide, so they have to have enough of a regular season so it appears to be a uh, a true champion. I mean, right. I, as I said, I'd love them to all to just start some big uh, playoff tournament uh, with you know double eliminations and all of that, it'd be outstanding, bit of fun. You'll never, you, uh, and plus it would be great to see purists like Bob Costas' head just explode when they announce <laughs> it. Like nothing more than that. But uh, it, it uh, to just put together a playoff tournament at this point is a much easier proposition. Well, I agree. I'm, and to your point, one big college world series with every team, one you or, know, month long college world series, or We've just play, or just play like a round robin, but do it like a five uh, loss elimination. Yeah, and so, yeah, that'd be fun. God, and you end up in uh, hi everybody. It's uh, Joe Buck. Welcome to the today's world, to the first game of the World Series between the Florida Marlins and oh my God, <laughs> people people would throw themselves from windows. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that son of a bitch Jeter would get credit. 
over. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine if like, oh. the, the Marlins go on a little tiny run and suddenly they're, you know, they're one of 10 teams left now and they're, you know, and is, all that, sudden, un, is that inconceivable in a short season? No. That, you know, you know what I mean? It's not, not, not at all inconceivable. No, as a, as a matter of fact, I am hoping it's an 81 game season. Because as a San Francisco Giants fan, and you know that if you listen after further review, at some point in time, the Giants, whether they're in San Francisco or New York or the Niners, will come up. And as a Giants fan, Gabe Kapler is their new manager, John. Gabe Kapler was the Philadelphia Phillies manager the last two years. And both of those years with Philly, Philadelphia Phillies, they overachieved. We talked about that. They were in first place for most of the first half of the season in 2018 and in 2019, and then they faded. So to me, yeah, that's what we've you need. got a manager who knows how to motivate ha- the guys for half the season. That's what you need. And, and Can I ask you a question to completely outside of the bounds? Do you think that the first time they play a home game in San Francisco, that the organist is going to play uh, Welcome Back by John Sebastian with Gabe Kapler as your manager? Because, I mean, I think that's a no-brainer, right? Well, don't, it, don't you think that's a no-brainer? Again, it was Gabe Kaplan. Uh, well, I Gabe, know that. <laughs> not Gabe Kapler. I know, but it's just so close. Don't you think you I mean, do that? Put that in your iPhone and see what comes out. Kapler or Kaplan. I mean, it's literally a spell check away. Right. See, that's the thing. Like, if, no, it's going to come up Gabe Catpin if you put it in. We've determined if, that it's going, did, to, yes. it's going to create some sort of hard Catpin. statement. <laughs> Guard cat pin, which makes oh, more sense than Gabe Kapler. Oh, no, you're goodness. right. You're, you're right. I mean, I guess people, if, you know, you do that maybe in the eight, seventh inning, sixth inning. People have had a few. And no, they go, hey, it's it's Gabe. Hell yeah, I get it. You know, when, when it's just, announced. When he's announced. It, 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 good afternoon, everyone. No, no, no. Welcome to uh, whatever corporate entity is taking over. Actually, it's, it's, it's a female PA announcer in San Francisco, John. Good. Excellent. You know, it, it, it's conceivable to think that Philadelphia will play it when he comes back there yes. in his first game. Yes. That's Welcome good back. Too. I love there it. it. Let's get John Sebastian some airplay. For God's sake, the Love and Spoonful is horribly underrated as a band. I agree. They with really you. are. They really are. Absolutely. I don't, I don't hear them on tour or anything these days. Do, do, are, do they even come back to Epcot if they ever have those shows again at the uh, Food and Wine Festival? You know, those like Spoonful the grassroots are already there. But are the Love and Spoonful ever there? I, I don't remember the Love and Spoonful are there. And, and by the Love and Spoonful, you mean like uh, Edgar Sebastian, John's nephew, totally. and three guys who saw the band once in in '72. Because I'm maybe sure, a band, maybe a grandchild, maybe John, a grandchild, John Stamos on drums. There yeah. it is. John Stamos should be the drummer for all uh, bands that get back together with two or fewer original members. That should be a law. I would like to see that as a constitutional amendment. I would like a constitutional amendment that uh, that outlaws the designated hitter, uh, as Crash Davis said in the greatest sports movie ever made, uh, with plenty of plays at the plate. Uh, on, man, man, we'll get into that later. And I would like to see that John Stamos has to play with any band that reunites with less than with two or fewer of their original members. All so, right. So in, in ju- this day, I, I was able to quickly check this. Uh, the Love and Spoonful wasn't on stage together for 20 years until 2020. So doubtful they played the, the summer festival at Epcot. And I, I will say this, that uh, we've talked about systemic racism ending, and as opposed to a constitutional <laughs> amendment asking for the end of systemic racism, John Pelkey... Instead, yeah, goes with the John Stamos amendment. People won't go for the other one. 
no, too, many, too many people who think that's an overreach and that's a state's rights thing. But I think everyone would agree. That both sides of the aisle. Yeah, both sides of the aisle can get behind John Stamos's bill. <laughs> Johnson. That's true, man. Can. He should run for he should run for president. Actually, could get some some votes from both sides. All right, our final bit of progressive trivia. Even though I've already guessed it, Johnny, go ahead. Yep. Here we go. Looking for Major League Baseball player, past or present. Here are your first clues. Twenty plus years in the majors, all of the American League career numbers: three hundred plus batting average, thousand plus RBI. 3,000-plus hits played by Jim Cott, Burt Campanaris. I was a rookie of the year and an MVP. In fact, six times finished in the top 10 for MVP, again winning once. 220 postseason batting average, Tony Clark-like. 3,000th hit was off of Frank Viola, never won a World Series. I'm an 18-time All-Star, a Hall of Famer. My first and last batting title were 11 years apart. Outstanding. 1967, 1978, and I played with Reggie Jackson and Nolan Ryan. Good stuff right there. I love that 11 years apart with the with the batting average. Yeah, I love that, too. That was also a Willie Mays stat, by the way. He was yeah. he was a New York Giant and a San Francisco Giant. Uh, 54 <laughs> and 1965 MVP. Uh, That's remarkable. So that's pretty neat. It's it, it is pretty neat. It's it's longevity and it's it's consistency on a very very high level. The guy you're talking about, Johnny, one of the greatest of all time. No My doubt favorite about. baseball player of all time, and that's why uh, you could get it early when I said it's somebody you, know, you know me and you know he's my favorite baseball player. And it's one of my favorite interviews of all time. We interviewed him in a rain delay at a Minnesota Twins uh, spring training game, and he was, he was just terrific, just yeah. terrific. Terrific guy, terrific ball player. Uh, we have a potpourri segment coming up. But, uh, we have a couple of seg- – we've already touched on the minor league uh, ball players getting paid. We'll get to the Lance Armstrong thing in a bit. He has suffered – unlike – I mean, Michael Jordan's timing. Is Michael Jordan's timing just spectacular or what? Not only did he get his documentary out there yeah. with nothing else really except us being inside to distract anyone. <laughs> right. But – uh, now he's able to, because he's front of mind with everyone, he's able to come out with a statement. Yeah. You know, sort of never would have done that back in the day, so to speak. At least that's the narrative. And uh, and, and and he's, you know, talking about how angry and how frustrated and how sad he is about the situation with George Floyd and all of the other situations therein. He's able to he's able to sort of make front page, if you will, to, to yeah. use a 100-year-old uh, reference. <laughs> and... Uh, and here's Lance, here's Lance Armstrong, who's the second part of it. It's like, ah, really, I don't. Anyway, we'll talk about that perhaps next episode. I haven't watched. I have not watched the documentary yet. I I, I actually uh, recorded uh, ESPN at a two hour special on Lance's Lance Armstrong's best um, Tour de France moments, and then the two part documentary part two was last night, and I was trying to decide. How what order I needed to watch those in? I mean, obviously, I know I'm going to watch the documentary first and second. But do I watch the greatest hits of the Tour de France before, or do I watch it after? Because I'm just thinking how how will it affect my watching? And so I went to my friend who is a big fan of uh, of the bicycle bicycle bicycling as I call it, and she said you got to watch. And she's watched the, the first part of the documentary. She says you have to watch the greatest hits first. Because the documentary is all about how just tearing all of that down. So you have to have that for perspective. And I thought that was probably the case. But uh, I like it. Going to get into that this week. I want to watch that. I'm looking forward to it. I like it. That 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 sounds like a very good plan. I was thinking maybe you watch it concurrently. 
You know, every time you have a question, which is what I do with the documentary, John, every time I have a question about it yeah. and, uh, and I need to put it in perspective in, in terms of a date or in terms of what happened before or after, I stop the documentary yeah. and I go to my phone and go to Wikipedia, mm-hmm. get some basic information about or the information about what happened before, what happened after. That's why, you, that's why I can't have you over to watch a documentary. <laughs> that's, that's exactly. Because forty minutes in, when you stopped it for a variety of reasons, yeah, you stopped it six times. Forty minutes in, I you're not getting any money. Be the least of your problems. True, true. So uh, yeah, I couldn't do it now. So I'm going to watch beforehand. Want to watch the whole thing? I certainly want to talk about it because uh, Armstrong is one of the most compelling athletes in um, in my lifetime. And he's still the face of he's still the face of the sport he disgraced, which I is true. It's just insane. It is. It is insane. There's no doubt about it. All right. Let's go to our poll question for this week. We are going to ask you uh, uh, about a topic we discussed last week, which are favorite sports documentaries, favorite right. sports documentaries that you would want to that, that you wish could no. happen. Right, right. If if they could make a sports documentary. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if, if, if there's a favorite kind of subject you want to talk about that hasn't ever been talked about in a sports documentary. And what were yours, John, again? Uh, I said I wanted the owner's collusion in Major League Baseball through the 70s and into the 80s, sure. um, uh, which I think is uh, an underreported story. And uh, my second one. And now, now, see, you, you asked me a question that I cannot remember the answer to. I can't remember what I said. It'll come to me. But I, and I was going to say the really reason, one of those reasons is I think this whole Kaepernick story is going to lend itself to a 30 for 30 at some point. Yeah, that's a good one. On a lot of levels. There's no doubt about that. Uh, one of mine was, John, the, um, the 1970s, uh, the 1972 through 1979 Philadelphia sports story. Because in 1972... They were by far not only the worst sports city in 1972, but perhaps the worst sports city ever up until that point, and perhaps the worst sports city even after. In terms of in terms of the aggregate wins and losses of each of their four teams, yeah. And, and then by the end of the decade, they were winning multiple titles, divisional titles, getting to the Super Bowl, and. Uh, it's a remarkable story. That's one that I would like to see. I'd like to see one on the big red machine. I think yeah. that one's underserved somehow. I don't know why. You've got – I mean, I don't see much on Tony Perez. I don't see much on Johnny Bench. I don't see no. much on Joe Morgan. No. It's Pete I mean, Rose takes up all the all the air in the room when you talk about that big red machine. That's true. You know? that, that and, maybe that's the reason. I mean, not even much me. on Sparky. That triggered my memory because my other one was the A's of the 70s, the amazing A's, uh, Charlie Finley's A's of the 70s, covering them before their three consecutive World Series victories and then how they were dismantled after. I think that's another one that in conjunction with the big red machine, because you have two of, at the time, the for two baseball teams that were at the tip of your tongue when you talked about baseball, and, t- and, and now, they are somewhat lost to history. A little bit. And the Yankees are talked about at the end of the decade, and the Pirates you know, open the decade with winning one and, and close the decade with winning one. I mean, it really was a decade of about, you know, four or five teams. Yeah. And uh, I'd love I'd love to have more information on that. So if you have any inf- if you have any documentary, any sports documentary you wish could be made or something, uh, a favorite topic of sports or a favorite memory of sports that you would love to be made into a documentary, let us know. Uh, go to our 
email, which is podcastafr at gmail.com, and uh, let us know. Give us a voicemail, and we'll play it. And, and while you're doing that, while you're doing that, and I want to ask Jeff this too, uh, let us know if you would support the NFL uh, supporting the players kneeling. Now, we've talked about the difference of the national anthem and so forth and how there, there, is, a, there is a line in the sand for a lot of people there. But as uh, they wouldn't sanction kneeling, but they wouldn't get in the way of it, and they would certainly support any way the players decided to, to protest. Do you have a, a, a problem with that? We've talked to Jeff. Kneeling doesn't matter to him. It's when you kneel that matters to him. You could kneel four or five times a game. You could kneel ten times a game for every kickoff. Uh, you can kneel throughout the entire game. Uh, kneeling doesn't matter. It's when you kneel. But in terms of what we've dealt with and in terms of Colin Kaepernick coming back to the fore and in terms of the idea that kneeling, even if you don't like the national anthem symbol, certainly better than looting target, um, would you be, Would you be? is it yes or no if you want the NFL to kind of tweak their policy? Because, John, if you're like me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but right now they weren't supporting it. They were tr- trying to do their best to not make it a story Right over the last three or four years, wouldn't you agree? They did everything they could to yeah. distance themselves from it, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I think they asked players to stay in the locker rooms. Players that weren't weren't going to stand for the national anthem stay in the locker room and um, all of that. And, and again, it's private business. You can do what it wants. But I, of course, you know, listen. You didn't even need to ask me this question. Uh, of of course, if they came out and said, which I think they should, that they that any sort of peaceful protest that does not interrupt the play of the game, certainly anything like that. Um, I have I have no problem with. It. In fact, I I would be uh, I would be pleased if the NFL did that. And and Jeff, I, I I accurately described your feelings, correct? Yes, I I actually was just on Twitter and I saw that Tom Brady already reacted to what you said. He said uh, he <laughs> well, said our fellow San Franciscans on on the, on Twitter. Uh, Tom Brady has said uh, I'm all for protesting in the NFL, but fuck twelve is off the table. Hashtag George <laughs> Floyd. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Wow. <laughs> wow. Tom, down there in Tampa, he's getting more, you know, outspicy. Exactly. <laughs> but he said hashtag Black Lives Matter, though. Yeah. And that's good for the him. other thing, too. That's the other thing that, that, that inexplicably, in my opinion, divided people. And I think, John, if I'm not mistaken, the NFL mentioned that in their statement. And that's another thing that was noteworthy, along with mentioning uh, systemic racism in our society, but emphasizing the Black Lives Matter movement and emphasizing that they have a real platform. And, uh, and to me, to me, I'm I'm uh, I'm hopeful that uh, the NFL can can make a difference and can and can help unite us. T- to my point, Jeff. I mean, to your point, I'm not interested in in, in more div- 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 divisiveness. No, I'm not interested in it. I'm not interested in us arguing over Samuel Johnson's bona fides. I'm not. <laughs> but I am interested in something that, to your point, 80 to 90 percent of the people can get behind. Yes. If you can get every at least the majority of people behind your movement, you're going to succeed. So find a way to get everybody behind you. You try to divide us. You're going to lose half your audience, if not more. And to, and to your point, too, John, in terms of how do we get things done, I know that's not the, a popular sentiment, 
But the way we get things done is we have 80 or 90 percent of the people behind an issue. Yeah. And in America, it will get done. And to, to the point of that, John, you will also be perfectly happy if they knelt during the kickoff. You support yeah, them I, I, doing I, it however they want, which sure, but, uh, puts but you the in. Problem with that is, the, the problem with that is it just doesn't, doesn't have any effect. Oh, it, I it, believe, it, 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 believe me, they would put the camera on the players kneeling during the kickoff for now. sure. Yeah, they would now. They yeah. would do it now because they knelt during the, the national anthem. But if Colin Kaepernick had chosen just to kneel during the kickoff, it would have had absolutely it, it, it would have carried no power. I'll, behind I'll, it. I'll go I'll go a step further here, too. And, and you know how I feel. I will admit that. I'm happy that he knelt during the national anthem, although I don't disagree with it, to get him to the point of kneeling during the kickoff and getting the right. camera on him. I can get right. behind he, that. So, yeah, so there you go. So he, it was worth taking the hit for yes. that and, and causing that division because now the camera will be on him. Amen. And it, and it will matter. Yes. And we will know what it means. Right. So in that sense... I don't know. I, 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 Can we get him on the on the show and, and talk to him about it? Do when I advocate for solutions that eighty percent to ninety percent of the people want. Yeah, that's okay. Of course, we're in Florida, so you can't get eighty or ninety percent. If you had, if Florida was presented with a with a question, and it said you have two choices: free ice cream for the rest of your life, or getting repeatedly kicked in the nuts every day at noon, it would be a forty nine fifty one split. I mean, it depends on how many Chads hung. That's a good point. Well, and that that will actually uh, diminish the more times you're kicked. So there you go. <laughs> Honestly, they, this state, it's that's what it is. It's probably even like forty nine point five to fifty point five. Frankly, no matter what the question. Yeah. All right, all right I got a question for you, Florida man. Uh, and put your pants on, uh, Florida man. Would you prefer free meals for the rest of your life? Or a sharp stick in the eye. Wow! I did some research. How big's the stick? I did. I did. I don't want anything free. I did some research, and the pantsless Florida man is originally from Arlington, Virginia. Uh, That would not surprise (laughs) me in any way. There you you go. You know, when you retire up in that area, it is the law. You must move to Florida. (laughs) Amen. And to our friend Riley Claremont's point, most of the problems originating from Florida are from people that aren't originally from Florida. Yeah. It's Casablanca. Every every ne'er-do-well ends up in Florida. Is Ry- Riley's from Florida too, right? He's from Coral Gables. Yeah, we have, to def- yeah. we have to defend ourselves. These Florida natives have to say, wait a minute, you can't ship all your crazies down here and start calling them Florida man. Yep. Yeah, they do. Good call. I know. It's a good call. <laughs> they Someone sure do. who has, I don't think, ever been affiliated with Florida but has had an amazing career as a uh, college football player and a professional player as well as a union rep and an agent and part of a company that has put together big deals in terms of uh, NFL teams acquiring other teams and the like, like big upper echelon deals. Randy Vataha will be a guest on After Further Review on Wednesday. Randy Vataha, who played wide receiver for the Stanford uh, Cardinal, Actually, you know what? They were called the Stanford Indians at the time. Indians back then, yeah. And uh, he was a favorite target of Jim Plunkett, John Pelkey, one of our favorite underrated lost-to-history players. Yeah. And uh, that Heisman Trophy year of Jim Plunkett in 1970 was a great Rose Bowl run for the Stanford Indians at the time, now now the Cardinal. He uh, got drafted by the New England Patriots uh, as well. If I can Uh, stop you there, that's not correct. 
He was well, drafted by the Los Angeles Rams. Drafted by the Rams and ended then picked up, with up the by the Patriots and ended up on the all rookie team after having been cut by the Rams. Exactly. He was drafted by the Rams. You're absolutely so right. And I George Allen, once again. <sighs> yeah. I think George was already in Washington at that point. So he, it, I think it's Tommy Prothrow took over that team after George Allen left. He did. He did, actually, and did not do a, a very good job at all. It was Chuck Knox who finally turned that team around and uh, had a great run in the 1970s, although still clammed in the, in the playoffs. <laughs> like... Most Los Angeles teams really do, actually, at this point in time. Good point. Uh, all right, so Randy Vitaha. So he was uh, also fifty percent owner of the Boston Breakers of the USFL. He was a yes, he was. He was that as well. He was a sports agent. He was a union rep. Yeah, he's had a remarkable yep. run and a remarkable career. In the last twenty-five years, he's had his own company called Game Plan. We will talk to him all about that. That's Wednesday, John. That's your show. Yeah, and you love Randy Vataha, and you get to you get to craft a show all around us interviewing this guy. Yeah, I was a Vataha fan back then because I was a Patriots fan. They were my AFC team growing up in Washington. Uh, I wanted an AFC team because that's how I always kind of approach things. How I ended up being a California Angel fan. I needed an American League West team, and uh, Patriots wore red and white. That was boys' club colors for Springfield Boys Club. So I was a Patriots fan, and I like I liked Vataha a lot. Also, uh, caught the. Uh, Final touchdown to seal the victory for Stanford. Mark, I'm sure you remember the Rose Bowl. They defeated number two Ohio State, denied Ohio State a national championship because I believe Texas was upset in the Cotton Bowl that year, and they were the number one team. So if Ohio State had taken care of business versus uh, Stanford, they would have won the national championship. So it's going to, to your point, Mark, a lot of things to talk about with Randy Vitahoff, both from a player standpoint, from an uh, ownership standpoint, management standpoint. Uh, it's 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 going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to talking. And he's waived his fee. We should we should let everyone know that he got a very funny email back from uh, Mr. Vitaha uh, waiving his ten thousand dollar per appearance fee uh, to do after further Just review. For us. Just, Just for us, for us. Uh, because of my friend uh, Russ Ayers on the coast. Uh, do you remember who the Stanford Cardinal now uh, head coach was? Uh, I I believe it was John Ralston. Nice. Yeah, who went on to nice. coach the Denver Broncos. Yes, indeed. He did not coach them in that 77 Super Bowl, but I think that was Red Miller, if I'm not it mistaken. It was Red Miller, who passed away uh, at some point. <laughs> you know, okay. say, recently... But uh, uh, as, my wife pointed out to me, as my wife has pointed out to me, my ability to distill time has become horrible because and she will tell you this, that she'll say, hey, um, when, when's the last time we did this? And I, and I say, oh, it was a you know, couple of days ago. And then she'll look and it's been like seven weeks. And I, I, I have no I, I haven't you know, I have issues with that. So I think Red Miller passed away within the last year or so. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe it was John Ralston that passed away. It could have been. It maybe it was him that passed long. away at some point. <laughs> there it I is. I think they both passed away at some point. Samuel Johnson, we talked about earlier, passed away at some point. <laughs> As did Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. And everyone out we there. We haven't listen. given the answer to our progressive Oh, you're right. You are right. Look at me. Tune this in place. next week. <laughs> Just dropping the ball. I don't even have it on my rundown, the progressive answer. All right, here, right, let me Johnny. get the progressive answer and then some more information about progressive trivias. Uh, look for Major sure. League Baseball player, past or present, 20-plus years in the majors, all of those in the American League for the Twins and the Angels. Career numbers, 300-plus batting average. I believe 328 his lifetime batting average. Over 1,000 RBI, 3,000-plus hits played by Jim Cott 
And Bert Campanaris was a rookie of the year and an MVP. Finished six times in the top ten of the MVP, winning once. 220 postseason batting average. 3,000 hit. hit 3,000 hit was off of Frank Viola, Frankie V. St. John's product, Frank Viola. Never won a World Series, 18-time All-Star Hall of Fame. First and last batting title, 11 years apart. Played with Reggie Jackson and Nolan Ryan. My favorite baseball player, the great Rod Carew. Rod Carew. Because I was always a guy, and I didn't play organized baseball, but we play around in, uh, you know, in the neighborhood, and uh, I had no power. But I got to a point where I was a decent contact hitter at that point in time, and that's Rod Carew, who in that, by the way, 20 three years maybe in major league baseball and i think only uh, 89 home runs he was not a power hitter but one of the great great hit for average guys in major league baseball and sadly never winning a world series so he's in that list of best players never to win a world series yes he is and uh, in terms of progressive trivias we are we've decided to suspend the every night progressive trivia john our idea was to try and gain listenership and well it wasn't doing what we wanted we it to do. We narrowed listenership. We did. We narrowed listenership, and uh, I'll be right there with you. And uh, so we are going to suspend that for now, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, there it goes. That's it. Mark, That's what's going on? What's who's at who's at your place? Oh, I'm I'm in I'm in the vortex uh, because I got kicked back to the original. A uh, line of scrimmage, if you will, to yeah. point zero, if you will, after going right. through a whole thing. My daughter Taylor was trying to reboot it because you have to wait in line now for a long yeah. time before you even get on. Yep. And then you have to go through that. And she is now at a point where she needs my help. Okay. And and that's what's happening. So I think it's a perfect time to wrap it up. I think okay. we, we covered a lot of ground. I think it was pretty interesting stuff. I can't wait for the title of the show. For John Pelkey, Jeff Taylor. My name is Mark. You guys were a wonderful audience, I'm sure. The seven or eight of you listening to us, thank you for listening to After Further Review, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. I can stand it. I can stand it.